If you will, let's uh, turn to Romans chapter 10. We're going to be going through verses 1 through 17. And I would like for you all to stand with me as we read through God's word. Brother, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. What does it say, the word is near you and in your heart, in your mouth and in your heart? That is a word of faith that we proclaim. Because you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will, be, will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew or Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? And then verse 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God. Let us pray. Almighty God, as we work through this passage of Scripture, just I ask, number one, that you would just give me your words to speak. God, I pray that you would uh, use your words this morning in the lives and the hearts of the church and in my life. God, may we have a zeal for the lost. May we have a heart for those who are around us who do not know Christ. And may you help us, encourage us, give us the strength to be a bold witness for Christ. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I've entitled this message, That They Might Be Saved. And we, as we read right away in, brothers, in verse 1, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them, that they might be saved. As we read this, read this verse, I have to ask myself, is that my heart's desire? Is my heart's desire, as I look upon the people of the world, that they may be saved? Is this the first thing that I think about? Is my prayer call, calling out to God is to save people? I have to confess that sometimes it's not. Well, what about you? Is your prayer and your heart's desire filled with that passion that people will be saved? Are you praying that God would bring someone 
before you that you could tell them a bit about Jesus, that they might be saved? Am I praying that people will be saved? Am I giving? Am I going out myself that people might be saved? Are we going to our families, our neighbors, people we work with, so that they might be saved? Let me tell you a story of a man you might know. This is what he is all about. His name is Pastor Ibua. He is the first connection Harvest has had with Cameroon. Pastor Ibua began with a prosperity gospel church called Winter's Chapel. It's a church in very simple, basic terms that tells you that uh, to believe in God and do what the leaders tell you to do, and God will make you prosperous. Ibua was very well respected in Winter's Chapel. He, uh, they paid him well. They sent him to many places to plant churches. But Ibua, in his personal studies, uh, began to realize that teaching of Winter's Chapel didn't line up with what Scripture taught. They were teaching a false gospel. So one day, Ibua went to the headquarters. The headquarters is in Douala. And he told them, he says, I, I want you to give me my pension. Uh, they kind of fought him on that, but finally they surrendered and gave him his pension. And he took the money, and he came to the United States to study in a the- theological seminary because he was desperate to know the truth of God's word. While at Liberty University, he connected with Harvest Bible Chapel, and the rest is history. He returned to Cameroon to launch Harvest Bible uh, Chapel in Douala in 2012, and now Ibua and his wife Henrietta moved to Yonde and planted Harvest Bible Chapel Yonde on October the 1st. This is the third Harvest Bible Chapel in Cameroon. Ibua's heart's desire to see people saved. His prayers are full of how do we save these people and bring them to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That is a consistent trait of Ibua, and he's willing to pay the price to make this happen. This is where I'm leading us today in Romans chapter 10, and I'd like to show you four things uh, from the Word of God when people get saved. So let us begin with the first one. You may write this down in your notes. It's number one. People get saved through the knowledge of the gospel. Romans chapter 2, verses uh, Romans chapter 10, verses 2 through 4. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Did you catch that statement in verse 2? We see that they have a zeal for God, but they're not saved. And I, if you do a little word search or a Google for the word zeal, you'll come up with a, a great energy or enthusiasm in, in, in pursuit of a cause or, a, or an objective. Some of the synonyms that are used for the word zeal are passion, love, fervor, fire, devotion, enthusiasm, eagerness. So this word is des- describing people that are on fire for God. But we have to ask ourselves, that's a good thing, right? But Paul says that they do not, that they have a zeal not according to knowledge. So this indicates a problem. 
Verse 3 says they are ignorant of the righteousness of God. They do not understand the righteousness that comes through God, through Jesus Christ. They do not understand how to be righteous. So what do they do? Verse 3 tells us, Paul is talking about the Israelite Jews here, and they established their own righteousness. So they said, we'll go to the temple, we'll do all the things God has called us to do, we'll give the sacrifices, we'll keep all the feast days. And so they said, now we will be righteous. Isaiah 1 talks about this and says in Isaiah, and God says, I hate what you're doing. Your incense is an abomination to me. Why? Because they are not living according to the righteousness of God. It wasn't that they wanted to please or be obedient to God. They were just doing a thing. It is possible that we have people in Bible-believing, Bible-teaching churches today who are excited and sing with zeal and uh, say they went to church. I worshiped well, and now I'm good. They have a zeal for God, but not according to righteousness. Terry Codling, the man I traveled with this last week, was telling a story of Winter's Chapel, where Ibua came from. Um, there are many poor people in Cameroon. And Winter's Chapel tells people that uh, they do not have to stay poor. If you come to God, we, he will solve all your problems. He will make you prosperous and give you great blessings. Terry was telling a story of a time where he was waiting for Abua. Abua was off in a bank, and they were parked to this, next to this very fancy car. And there was this elderly woman on the street side that was passing out tracks to people as they passed by. She gave them a track. It was advertising a Winter's Chapel meeting in Douala. It was a huge conference that they were going to have. And she ran out of tracks, went over to this car, and the window of the car rolled down just a little bit. And uh, the person in the car handed them more tracks, and the window rolled back up. Obviously, the car was its hot in Douala, and the car was running and air-conditioned and and as they observed her, they, observed, they uh, noticed that uh, she was just being obedient. She was being submissive. She was working hard. And the, they believed that the woman was probably thinking that uh, if I work hard enough, instead of being on the streets, I'll be in that car someday. And it's sad because there's no doubt this elderly woman was zealous for God but did not have knowledge. She was, as Paul put it, ignorant of the righteousness of God because she did not know better. The law says, do this and you will be blessed. But in verse 4, it says, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. There are people in our world that are zealous for God, but not according to righteousness of God because they do not know better. And without knowledge, there is no salvation. They do not know or believe that Christ came to earth and became sinless, became the sinless sacrifice for us and me on the cross. Christ paid the penalty for our sin. And what Christ did for us fulfilled the law. And in verse 4, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. 
So our first point, you must know and acknowledge what Christ has done for us on the cross before you can be saved. People get saved through the knowledge of the gospel. And our second point is people get saved through the faith of the gospel. Follow along as I reread verses 5 through 8. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteous based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Paul says there's a difference between the righteousness based on the law and the righteousness based on faith. In verse 5 it reads, For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. Moses says here in verse 5, If you do the law, you'll be righteous. And the man who does these things shall live by them, meaning you must do them all the time, which we know is impossible. You have to keep the law all of the time. All of the time. But in verse 6, Paul says, but righteousness based on faith says, and Paul is quoting here Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 12 and 13, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down. What Paul is saying is don't think you have to respond to God by ascending into heaven or by descending into deep to collect the truth. Don't think you have to go on some impossible journey. Um, The righteousness of faith is available. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. It's near you. It's been revealed. It is what we proclaim that Christ has fulfilled the law. Simply believe and receive. Verse 9, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So we see that it is not what uh, you do that makes you righteous. You are righteous as you acknowledge what Christ has done on the cross by your relationship with Jesus, by your faith in him. In verse 9, we also see there's a connection of what we believe in our hearts and what we confess with our mouth. As we have studied in Proverbs, Tony, through the scriptures, teaching us both ways we have used the tongue that can do harm, but also ways we can train the tongue. Matthew 15, 8 says, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person. So there's a connection of our tongue and our heart. The mouth reveals the content of the heart. The way you talk, the things you say, say a lot about what's inside of your heart. Do you profess Christ as Lord? At your places of work, does your mouth profess Jesus as Lord? People that we meet, do we profess Jesus as Lord, does your mouth profess that Jesus is the Lord of your heart? There's a relationship of your mouth and your heart, and your mouth needs to confess that Jesus is Lord because it's going to reflect the reality of what's in your heart. It's not saying that we just do this at the moment of our salvation, 
that we confess Christ. And in that moment, you're asked if you believe Jesus is the Lord, and we respond, respond, yes, and we are saved. But the mouth, as we go forward, will reveal what is genuine in your heart. Was I confessing that Jesus is Christ, or was I doing what the law said? And that was what was needed to do. Faith comes from the heart. We see that in verse 10, for with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Think about our conversations, how they communicate Christ, our relationship with him. Think about the jokes we tell, the language that we use in everyday conversation. Are we professors of Christ as Lord? Is our mouth reflecting what is in our heart? Verse 11 is a quote from Isaiah, for the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. There's no shame in professing Christ as Lord. Yes, we might be made fun of if we uh, talk about Christ publicly or somebody might try to shame us, but we know the truth. And in Christ, you will not be put to shame. You know, I was reading in Acts just the other day, Acts Chapter 5, verse 41, 41, we read of the apostles who suffered for Christ. In that verse, they say, Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. doesn't matter what the world thinks. What matters is our relationship with Christ Jesus. Our hope is in him, not of this world, for there is no distinction between Jew or Greek. For the same is the Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all. Churches like Winter Chapel love verses like this. They'll take that one line, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. They'll take that verse and they'll take it out of context and they'll preach it. They preach a complete sermon on that last line. If you believe in Jesus, He's going to pour out all his blessing on you. They will not say anything about the previous text or what has been said afterwards. They reject expository preaching. Their pastors do not even know what that term means. You can imagine if you're a poor person living in desperate times, this sounds pretty great. God is going to make us rich. That sounds great to me here in America as well, right? Let me tell you about another person it's, uh, that I met, Yonde, just this last trip. His name is Jan. Probably can't pronounce that right. It's not John, it's John. I don't, I don't know. John's wife led him to Christ in 1996 in Douala. A couple years later, his work tranced him to Yonde, where he met Pastor Ibua, who at that time was preaching for Winter's Chapel in Yonde. They were together until Pastor Ibuwa was transferred to another country in Africa to plant more churches with Winter's Chapel, and they lost contact with one another. Pastor Ibuwa, as I mentioned earlier, he, he's left, he left Winter's Chapel, and John stayed with Winter's Chapel. Um, John's wife got cancer and died, and he struggled. He died, she died in October of 2016, just last year. And he made this statement that many churches and many pastors 
tried to establish ministry, but they are not serious. And he struggled. And then Pastor Ibuah returned to Yonde just this last year to plant Harvest Bible Chapel Yonde. Pastor Ibuah reunited with John and canceled him, or counseled him, encouraged him, prayed with him. Now John says, I know Pastor Ibuah and how he is. Now I stand up again for Jesus. John now has dedicated his life, all this time, to grow the core group and to help launch Harvest Yonde. He receives no pay. He's giving of himself and his time for Jesus Christ because God saved him. There is story after story, not just in Cameroon, that people are going through dark times. Their faith is being challenged, but they hold on to Jesus. That's what's saying in verse 13 is talking about. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. They are saved and they cling by faith and God brings them through the dark times, the dark valleys of life to his glorious presence. Faith does not put conditions on God. Instead, it clings to God and accepts his plans and purposes for his life. Faith is based on our knowledge of what Christ has done for us and leads us to call out on the name of our Lord Jesus. Do you have faith? Without faith, there is no salvation. So, as we recap our first point, people get saved through the knowledge of the gospel. You must know and acknowledge what Christ has done for us on the cross before you can get saved. People get saved through the gospel. Our third point is people get saved through the preaching of the gospel. Verse 14, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him on whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Consider the statement. Who is he talking about? He's talking about you and I. Who is responsible for telling people about Jesus? We cannot apply this passage only to pastors. We cannot neglect the responsibility to tell others about Jesus Christ. The people in the neighborhoods and our families and our workplaces, that's your responsibility. Most preachers have a limited sphere of people who they can reach. You know, we can sit about 220 people in this room but if those 220 people went out into their neighborhoods and talked about Jesus and everybody brought one to church for further training and discipleship, look how much greater the word would spread. And what if we talked to five people or ten people? We have a greater opportunity for influence in our neighborhoods, cities, and world than our pastors do. Paul is saying that it is a beautiful thing when someone like you and I go out and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. It is a beautiful thing, he says, that when people you've taught give their life to Jesus. So places like Cameroon that don't have places like this church, they first need us to send pastors and to, to train. They also need leaders that can help train leaders 
pastors to teach pastors so they can teach their people to teach their neighbors, their family members about Jesus. Let me introduce you to two pastors in Cameroon. The first is Pastor Joe. Pastor Joe uh, worked with Ibua in Winter's Chapel and has planted several Winter's Chapel's churches. Ibua introduced Joe to Harvest Berry. Harvest Berry is the leading, the lead sending church in Cameroon. Their pastors came to assess Joe to see if he was capable to plant a Harvest Bible Chapel church in Baminda. Pastor Joe came to the United States. He went to the pastor training center and was rated number one or two of all time world non-American pastors. He's an extremely gifted man. Joe launched Harvest Bible Chapel Baminda in 2014. Baminda is now a church of over 100 people, and God is blessing the ministry there. They're talking about starting two services. Their building is about the size of the front of this room. Um, Joe is about to install elders, and we spent a lot of time working with Joe and other leaders training them to train elders and leaders in the church. Joe already has another man lined up to plant another harvest in Buya, uh, the other city who had civil, civil war, um, if we can get him to the training center. That's Joe. The other one is Gilbert. Gilbert is a longtime friend of Joe. He also pastored in Winter's Chapel, in the spring of 2015, he attended Harvest Berry training in Baminda. He had never heard of expository preaching. He had never heard of taking the scripture, a book or verse at a time and working through it. He took that one line from a verse to preach a prosperity gospel. He's a quick learner. He's a teachable spirit. Last fall when I went with uh, Pastor Tony and, and Eric, uh, they had the privilege of assessing two men while they're there to be the next uh, harvest pastor of Douala as Ibua was to leave. And uh, Gilbert quickly won over their confidence to be the next pastor there in Douala. Gilbert went to the training, uh, Harvest Bible Fellowship training in Romania, and in May, he and his wife and two small children moved to Douala, and in June, he was installed as the lead pastor there in Harvest Bible Chapel, Douala, where he is preaching the truth about God for the first time in his life. Even today, uh, Tony and, he, and Gilbert are meeting, and Tony is coaching Gilbert weekly through the Internet via Skype. Preaching brings the knowledge that leads people to the safe the faith and salvation of Jesus Christ. So we see people get saved through the knowledge of the gospel. People get saved through the faith of the gospel. People get saved through the preaching of the gospel. And fourthly, people get saved through the hearing of the gospel. Verses 16 and 17, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God. People need to hear the message of Jesus Christ. People have to hear the message of Jesus Christ. 
Apostle Paul says, faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. Some people refuse to hear. That doesn't exempt us from from proclaiming. We must be obedient to the command that we read in Matthew 28. And Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth was given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What are we all about, church? Our mission statement tells us why we exist. Harvest Bible Chapel exists to glorify God, to make mature disciples who worship, walk, and work for Christ. Is that your life mission? Is that your mission statement? We as a church are responsible to communicate our relationship with Jesus Christ to those who we come in contact with. We need to tell them of Jesus and the sacrifice he has made for our sin. We must encourage them to connect with the church. God established the church to fulfill the Great Commission. God ordained and loves the church of Jesus Christ. The hearing is not our responsibility. Sometimes I wish I could save people, but I can't. They must hear. We must proclaim. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. Another man I'd like to introduce you to is named Smith. We do not know any other name other than Smith. Smith plays a mean bass guitar, and he's on the worship team in Harvest Bemenda. If you would just watch this uh, one minute video clip, I took this last year. saved that video. It's about seven minutes long, and I, I listen to it. I get emotional every time I hear it. And I realize it's because I was there. That proclamation of that song of Jesus Christ is contagious. Obviously, Smith was a little man confined to a wheelchair. He has some kind of degenerative bone disease, and he plays a great guitar. Smith earned his living by playing his guitar in local bars. He uh, surrounded by the drunkenness and what else, that type of lifestyle. 
and by his own admission participated in that life. Smith met Pastor Joe. Pastor Joe taught him about Jesus. Smith believes, he heard and believed that he gave his life to Jesus. Smith gave up all his life, and now he says, I cannot to go and play in bars now that I have Jesus. He now sells shoes, used shoes on the street. He heard the word of God, and his life was changed dramatically. God changes the heart when people hear. Church, the scripture's clear. People get saved through the knowledge of the gospel. People get saved through the faith of the gospel. People get saved through the preaching of the gospel. People get saved through the hearing of the gospel. This is what God has called us to do. Church, we need to pray like never before. We need more zeal. We need a greater desire for missions. We need God. We need to call on God to equip us with this. His words, we can teach people for Jesus. We need to give. We need to give our time. We need to give our energy to share the gospel of Jesus personally. We need to give money, support our pastors and new churches for the gospel. Harvest Yonda is surviving on $300 a month, and that includes Pastor Ibu's salary. Pastor Ibu is spending his money to grow the church. Pastor Gilbert's under $500 a month and gas is $4 a gallon. They need help. They need, to get, they need help to get started to grow the church. We want these churches to become healthy. We want them to be self-supporting. And we're there to train them and help them to do that. But they need help with resources so they, they can get trained whether it is money or time. And it's not just Cameroon. We can't all go to Cameroon. But we need to be engaged in the mission field here at home. We need to go to our families, our neighbors, our co-workers that need Christ. Do we have the zeal in our heart that they may be saved, not just in Cameroon, but right here? We need to fill these chairs. So people can be trained to go tell others about the message of Jesus Christ. I've asked Pastor Brandon and the worship team, they'll come forward to close us in a Chris Tomlin song, How Great Is Our God. I heard this song in all three churches as I visited. You know, it's my prayer that this song will encourage us and remind us who we serve You know, in Cameroon, they sing this song loud and with a lot of passion. And I pray our passion for Jesus Christ grows and we have a zeal for our Lord and Savior as we go forward. Let's pray. Almighty God, I, I know this is fresh on my heart and it's tender. And, but God, I pray that this tenderness never goes away. I pray that there's a greater 
passion growing in me for Christ. I pray that there's a greater passion growing in me to be a professor of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in all areas of my life. Father, I pray that same zeal and passion for us as a church, that you will use us for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and be ready and willing to tell others about him. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.